Well, today we begin a six-week journey we're calling Committed to Christ. And I appreciate that we have so many that have signed on or getting books and could be following along or studying together. Because when we get on the same page and we're in the process of sharing our discipleship with one another, it means that God can multiply his work. Christianity is, is really a team sport. And so when we are, are combined together, God can do so many more things. So in the weeks ahead, in a variety of ways, you're going to be given opportunities to take another step in each of these elements of discipleship. Today, the step is in our prayer life. But keep in mind that we do this not as an act toward salvation. It's a response from our salvation. It's an act of gratitude. So... When you come to prayer, there are many things we can say about prayer. It's, for pastors, sometimes it's hard to know where to begin. So I'm going to draw upon a, our two scriptures today and let that give us our focus. And the first one is the one we just read from Psalm 141 that talks about, let my prayers stand before you like incense. Now, we don't tend to burn a lot of incense in church. Uh, we Protestants, I think, are afraid that's a little too Catholic, so we... We don't do that a whole lot. Uh, somebody in the first service got pretty excited, reminded them of their college days. <laughs> Sounds like they're not the only one. But keep in mind, incense had a very practical purpose in biblical times. When most people breathed, uh, bathed infrequently, and when many often shared their quarters with animals, Whenever you got a number of people together, incense was a very good idea. And that was true for all religions. But in Judaism, it became a little symbolic because the, the smoke rising was, became a symbol for them of the pillar of fire. When they left Egypt, went into the wilderness, and that pillar reminded them of God's presence always with them and leading the way. As a matter of fact, there are, in Exodus you'll find laws that, des that describe how to build an altar for incense that was to be placed right next to the altar of sacrifice. It also played the role of, of emphasizing God's continued presence and the smell was to remind them that our prayers are pleasing in God's sight. You'll find that... Uh, that rising smoke for the Jewish people was a reminder of God's ongoing presence that is always there and always present. There was also a, a lamp that was burning within the temple continuously to remind that God's presence is always there. Uh, how many of you grew up in a church that had one of those eternal lights hanging above the altar? It's the same thing. It's the same idea to carry on that idea of God's continued presence. But there's a lot to this image of incense. Uh, for one thing, as you can see, the, the smoke that rises and see how it just randomly moves up and then eventually dissolves. For the people in biblical times, that became a symbol of what their prayers do. And it's helpful for us too because sometimes in our modern times, we, we think that prayer is like this direct line. Like we get on the phone, we call God up, and we tell him what we're thinking, and then he gives us an answer back. But we know it doesn't work that simply, does it? Incense provides a much more helpful image for us, that our prayers rise up to God, and God collects them, all the prayers of the saints. 
And then he uses those to achieve his purposes. That doesn't mean we always get directly what we want, but if God's working for the good of all, we know eventually that is the, for the good of ourselves as well. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, you'll find this image is played out very well. If you read the book of Revelation, it's a challenging book, full of symbolism. And you'll find the, the pattern of that book is that it starts out on earth using symbolism that people would have understood as reflecting the history of their times. And then it pops up, and for a while we'll talk about what's happening in heaven. And then it comes back down to earth. And so we have this image here in the 8th chapter that talks about the incense. It says, Another angel came and stood at the altar and held a gold bowl for burning incense. He was given a large amount of incense in order to offer on behalf of the prayers of all the saints on the gold altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense offered for the prayers of the saints rose up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the incense container and filled it with fire from the altar. He threw it down to earth and there was thunder and voices and lightning and an earthquake. This would have been very meaningful to the people that John of Patmos is writing to. Because they were in a time of persecution. They were in a time that they were praying to God and wondering if God is really hearing them and listening to them. And John is saying, yes, as you offer your prayers up, God gathers those and he, in his mysterious way, affects what happens here on earth. And even makes the point that it'll help further and bring to the conclusion God's ultimate purposes before the end of time. So, Keep that image in your mind when you pray. I think it's a helpful image that suggests to us how God puts our prayers to use. Then the second passage that's spoken of. Uh, let, let me reread verse 14 from 1 John 5. This is the confidence that we have in our relationship with God. If we ask for anything in agreement with his will, he listens to us. Bob Crossman in the Committed to Christ book suggests that most of us, when it comes to prayer, really just dabble with it. It's like we're playing in the puddles. When God has a, an ocean worth of depth for our lives, if we just take advantage of it. I think that's true. That probably even describes my own life, prayer life sometimes. We sometimes let the failures and our misunderstandings get in the way, and it shakes our confidence. And so the result is we resist prayer, instead of embracing it, instead of seeing it for the advantage it can be to our lives. Prayer is something we should look forward to, something, a chance to renew ourselves and a chance to experience God. And, and here's what's important about this verse. It suggests to us that our confidence in prayer is not based on us having that, that perfect routine down in how we pray. It's not based on how much we deserve or how good we've been our confidence in our prayer life is based upon the fact that God wants to listen to us. God desires our prayers. They are pleasing in his sight. And so lift them up. So let me just cover a few things that might help us build our confidence a little bit. Hopefully enough to take that next step in our prayer life. Now, four weeks ago, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. We, remember how we talked about how it was a contrast to the prayers of the pagans in that time. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites, don't be like the pagans. And then he offers us this Lord's Prayer, which is so simple, succinct, to the point, and powerful. Powerful enough that, that the Christians 
replaced their Jewish prayers and recited it three times a day. Well, if you had a chance to read the chapter on prayer in the Committed to Christ book, you'll note that he, he adds another fact I think is really important for us to, to, to understand. He, he mentions that there are 67 words in the Lord's Prayer. 67 words. And how many of those 67 words are one-syllable words? I heard it. 50. Somebody read the book. All right. 50 of the 67 words are one-syllable words. Not fancy words, not sophisticated words. The prayer that Jesus gives to us is a simple prayer. And it tells us that we should approach God with who we are, as we are. We don't have to impress. We don't have to use eloquent words. We don't have to use sophisticated words. We just need to talk to God in the language that we know. It reminds me of how I learned to pray. Remember how you came to know prayer? Some of you learn in the home. I learned in church. We didn't pray a lot at home. We only prayed at mealtime. And that prayer I think I've shared with you before, my father said so quickly that we, we don't even know what it was, can't even recall it. But I learned to pray in youth group. We had a large youth group. We'd meet in the parsonage of our youth pastor and we'd gather, we'd do the things you do at youth group, have some fun, do a game, talk about the topic and make our plans for our future meetings and fun activities. And then she would invite anyone that uh, wanted to stay after the end of youth group to stick around we'd pray some more. And so there would be about 15 of us that would stick around. And we'd sit around in a circle. We'd cross our legs. We'd hold each other's hands. And she would start the prayer and then invite us to go around the circle to the right. And whoever wanted to pray could, and if you didn't, just simply squeeze the hand of the person next to you. You ever do that? It's kind of a common practice, isn't it? Well, I can remember it was months before I actually spoke. I was really good at just squeezing that hand. Go on to the next person. But I tell you, I was learning how to pray even then. Because it was amazing how someone else's prayer would say something that I was feeling inside me. And even though it was a long time before I spoke out, I, I began praying inwardly to God. And it moved from like, God, if you're out there, this is what's going on, to after a while, I just kind of knew he was there. And then it got to the point that I, I would feel when God was present. It sent a chill up my spine that was different from any other emotion I'd had. And then I began to be one that would say something before squeezing the person's hand next to me. And let me tell you, those prayers that I said then, I'd hate to think what my theology was like then. I'm sure I was way off. I'm sure my concept of God was pretty limited. But that was okay. God heard me. He affirmed me as I was. God loves our simple prayers. So don't let any limited knowledge or your lack of understanding of the Bible hold you back. Just talk to God as you would any other friend, and he'll receive you. He wants to hear your prayers. And another obstacle I've noticed is sometimes the failures that we have in our lives. You know, we can be pretty good at guilt, can't we? Most of us at some point, no matter how much we discuss grace in church, have probably got some sermon someone gave that said that God doesn't listen to the prayers of sinners. 
And they'll even quote some scripture, even though they're often pulling that scripture out of context. And so that holds us back. God wants to hear our prayers. Doesn't that Romans passage say, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? And I'd suggest that same truth is there for our prayers as well. I will always remember something that happened when I was a young parent. I was serving a church in southwest Indianapolis. We lived five miles from my parents' house, and my dad wanted to do some renovations. They wanted to expand the kitchen, so they needed to knock out a wall between the bedroom and the kitchen. And he asked for my help, and I'm really good at tearing things down, let me tell you. So I got in the car, and to make things a little easier, my wife, I decided to take my daughter Kelsey with, with me. She's a, she was a little over two years old, uh, and I thought she might be good for my mother. Sometimes she could snap my mother out of a bad spell. And so we went over there, and I got busy knocking out that wall. And we got done after a couple hours what we wanted to get done, and so I picked Kelsey up and put her in the car, put her in her car seat, started to head back home that five miles back to our house. And I was talking to Kelsey, and she wasn't responding. So I look in the river mirror, and I see that Kelsey's head's just rolling all over the place, and her eyes are rolling up inside her head. And it just hit me immediately what had happened. You see, my sister had been visiting from Philadelphia, and right before she got taken to the airport, she was trying to help my mother out. She had bought one of those seven-day pill boxes, and she was taking her medication and putting it in, but apparently she got in a hurry and didn't finish the job. And so my daughter crawled up on the counter and got whatever medicine she had not put in there. We rushed her to Methodist Hospital. They pumped her stomach out with charcoal. And then the doctor said that the medicine, at least one of the medicines she got, is strong enough to stop a child's heart. And we just have to wait and see how she did. She was unconscious. Let me tell you, one of the longest nights in my life. About 5 o'clock in the morning, the sun started to come up. Kelsey's laying in that crib in the intensive care unit. And she opens her eyes and says, hi. That's the sweetest words I have ever heard. Well, you know, something bothered me about that night. Because I prayed like I'd never prayed before. And I couldn't feel God. I didn't sense him at all. I didn't feel any comfort. It, I remember the chaplain walking by, right by me, and I just wanted to reach out and grab him and have him pray for me, but I felt too ashamed to even ask him because I had not supervised my daughter well enough. And so I let him go by. And I wondered, God, what? why weren't you there? And then I got a message. I heard him this time, and he said, I was always there. I let my guilt become a barrier between God and me. I had decided I wasn't worthy for God to hear my prayer. Even unconsciously, I didn't know that. And God was always there. So don't ever let guilt get in your way. Don't let your failures. God loves and receives you as you are, no matter what. And the last point I'd like to bring up I'd like to show a video. Now, let me just set this video up. Um, this video is called, I Forgot My Phone. It's a little short two-minute thing. This video apparently has struck a chord with people because the first week it was out, 13 million views in one week. Up to this date, it's got 51 million views. 
So let's watch it and see if you can relate to this at all. Does that look familiar to anybody? The only flaw I saw of that, do you realize she just got two pins when she bowled that bowler? <laughs> Not a lot to hi-fi about, but anyway, that's beside the point. We are going through life sometimes more worried about recording it. <clears throat> allowing technology to take such control of our lives that we sometimes miss its very moments. There's a lot of research out, and, and believe me, I'm not anti-technology. I'm probably as reliant on my computer and my phone as anybody else. But there's a lot of research suggesting to us that it's starting to steal from us. In the business world, they're pointing out that it's lowering productivity because we get so many interruptions now that we aren't as productive because then we have to refocus on the thing that we're having to do. It's also pointed out that, that because there's not enough downtimes, the, the space that we need to, to do the higher order thinking that is required to solve problems and be creative is being lost. And if all that is true in the business world, isn't it also true for our prayer, our faith, our spirituality? Are we allowing that to steal from our lives? Taking away the time we need to reflect? To see what God's doing right in front of us. So I encourage you to just make space for God in whatever way that needs to happen in your life. Allow time for God to make himself known. Because he will. 
He is there. But so many times we just crowd him out. We don't allow that space. So today I give you permission to do nothing once in a while. And realize that you need to do nothing in order for you to be the best self that you can be for work, for your family, for your children, and even for yourself, and especially for God. You need to make some space for God to be present to make himself known. So figure out what activity you need to do, whether it's taking a walk or just sit in the backyard or even just reading some book that makes you think. Do that activity or inactivity. And if you figure that out, then make a routine out of it. That's really what this Sunday's about. That's what this commitment card's about that we're about to invite you to fill out. What's that next step you can take to begin making that a routine so that God regularly has that opportunity to speak as well as to listen to you?